0: song that has basically become the anthem of this show Betamax I thank you so much Betamax for letting us use this track, letting us use your tracks thank you so much to all the musicians from 2023 that have given us the right to play their music Uh, Code Electro um, my buddy Big Black Delta um, like the the list is just endless Uh, we pride ourselves on being um the podcast for synthwave (laughs) which we love you're listening to the brand new episode of in love with the process i'm your host mike pecci how are you what's happening what's new what's going on happy fucking new year we have a bunch of folks that are tuning in on Instagram Live, watching this as we do it live. This is, I think, the first time that I've done a podcast live on the internet, and I'm looking here at the comments and uh, a lot of 12cam uh, questions and answers going on here. Still, um, let's. I, what I wanted to do is uh, before I got the place ready for our New Year's Eve party tonight, which will be fun and exciting, um, I wanted to just jump on the mic. Um, because I, I just wanted to take a little bit of time and sort of reflect on 2023, right? On this past year. And I was laying in bed, sort of going through my phone. And you know how your iPhone gives you like these these uh, video clips, memories, and runs through stuff. And as it was just sort of running through a slideshow, I kept thinking to myself like, Wait a minute. Wasn't there more stuff that happened this year? Didn't this thing happen this year? And I went, "No, no, no, that was 2022." Wait, didn't I go to my buddy's bachelor party? No, wait, that was 2021, 2022. So it it just occurred to me that I think as a culture, as a as a species, <laughs> the past 3 years have sort of all mashed together. As just just one sort of blizzard of loneliness <laughs> and waiting, and waiting, um, and whether we're talking about, you know, obviously dealing with COVID, which is old news now, and talking about the different strikes and talking about all these different things that have been keeping us at bay for so long. Um, I think so many of us are looking forward to uh, two days from now as the... The business kicks up again as uh, a whole new year kicks up again, that uh, we're finally going to stop. We're finally going to be in the position where we can stop waiting, right? Do you guys all feel that way too? You guys on Instagram that are following me, happy new year. Happy new year to you too. Um, so, but I, I, I want this show... Look, because my first notion, as you know me, my first notion is to be sort of cynical and negative and sort of sit there and go like, man, fuck, we didn't, I didn't do enough this year. There wasn't enough things that I got done this year, but then I, I I sort of dug deeper and went through and looked at all this sort of pivotal moments of 2023 and all of these moments of growth that I personally had in 2023. Uh, and I went, man, this this has actually been a great year. Believe it or not, like once I get past sort of the the Instagram filter, which is obviously negative these days. So the Instagram filter on like how difficult 2023 was, how we weren't able to do anything that we wanted to do, how uh, you know everybody was fighting against all sorts of greed and and issues, and like just a fucking whirlwind, the, the the nightmare swirl that this filter gives you. Instagram, I'm, point, I'm pointing at Instagram uh, that, that, uh, social media tells us, uh, how to feel and and what to, what to go through. Once I get over that, I go back and I look and I go, man, okay. So there's a lot of things that I'm thankful for in 2023. And, uh, I, I just wanted to sort of run through some of this stuff. And while I do so, I want you at home to be thinking about, what were the good things that happened in 2023? Now, these things don't have to be cataclysmic. They don't have to be seismic. They can be smaller things. Like maybe you, you know, figured out how to finally, you know, cook that recipe the right way. Or maybe you uh, finally got the courage to send uh, an email to uh, a friend that you were in a fight with for so long. Or uh maybe you finally paid your taxes that were overdue like there's there's small victories that lead to a larger state of happiness and i i really want to sort of address all this stuff on today's show because i i I think 2023 is going to get a bad rap for me (laughs) because when i looked back i went oh wait a minute dude all sorts of great shit happened i mean this is the year that I finally proposed to Gina. So this is the year that uh, her and I are officially engaged. Um, and, you know, we had been together, or have been together now, for over 13 years. And, uh, you know, many of you, there's been a lot of folks that have been like, well, why didn't you guys do this earlier? It just never it never occurred to us. I think the two of us have been having such a good time and such a, a solid uh friendship and such a, a really great growth between the two of us of great growth we've been growing a really great growth uh we've just had such a mm, such a uh effortless journey together and honestly there's never been stress like gina's never been up my ass like i need a ring you got to put a ring on it you know she's never been that person and um i've always been like it's never been a rush for me right it might have something to do with the fact that we're both so completely obsessed with our jobs and what it is that we do. That's probably a big portion of it. But, uh, you know, it just, it hit a point. And I'll tell you what what shifted it for me, was that every time I would hang out with someone new or new client, they would say, hey, do you, is your wife going to come? And you sort of hit this point where you, in the beginning, you're like, well, actually, she's not my wife but she's my girlfriend and, you know, we've been together for so long, she might as well be my wife. It just becomes that difficult when you're just sort of trying to describe it. But whatever, that's such a, that's a minor sort of irritant. And then I, I just hit a point where I go, hmm, wouldn't it be nice to have our us define ourselves as something different just for a little while? Because we've always been boyfriend-girlfriend. Um, And even now I still go, Gina's my girlfriend, but... Uh, I just sort of hit a point where I go, it would be nice. It would be a nice thing to, to say, like, this is my fiancé, you know, very very fr- very French, very fancy. This is my fiancé. Um, and so that was really the big push for me. It wasn't like, hey, I need to do this. I have some sort of anxiety about time behind me or be, uh, you know, I have to prove my love to her by buying her a ring and making sure that she knows how committed I am. It was just like, this would be nice. This would be a nice thing to do. Um, And uh, I went through the process. It would have been faster to do if I didn't have to go hunt for her ring. You know, Gina's very, very cool, very specific, you know, and uh, her tastes really don't align with K-jewelers. Let's just put it that way. So I had to hunt high and low. I ended up finding this really great jeweler in uh, Paris, actually, And uh, before you're like, ooh, fancy, expensive, Mm. Uh, I I ended up finding this guy through Etsy, and and, uh, he was uh, affordable, not cheap, but affordable. Um, And uh, he made really beautiful sort of like, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Oh, God, Art Deco, like the very, really great sort of like an Art Deco design, which we really liked. And Gina's really big into that sort of thing. And um, she didn't want a diamond. So I went and I found her an emerald because that was her second thing. And it was great, man. It was, but it was a long fucking process. It was a long process to find the ring. It took me months and months and months and months. So I probably would have asked her earlier if I had figured it out earlier. But I was trying not to stress myself out about it too much and just trying to take my time with it. And I'm happy I did. And uh, we ended up going down to, um, oh God, where did we go? It's not Redondo Beach. We ended up going down to the coast here in California. I forget exactly where we went, but we found this really great little hotel and we stayed in like the honeymoon suite, which was beautiful. Um, and there was a pool there and we got couples massages and, and, uh, she kind of knew what was up, but she did know what was up. And and uh, I ended up taking her to the beach, and I proposed to her on the beach, and then we had dinner. It was just beautiful, and it was just very intimate, and it was the two of us, and we just went on a night sort of trip, Um, and uh, I'm so happy that it happened that way, and I'm so happy that it took this long to go that way, and I feel so lucky and fortunate to have a partner that uh not only understands this business and understands the craziness that is this world and then is also completely driven on her own and she has her own life and all of her own um uh friends and but she mixes in really well with my friends and then it just the the partnership and the relationship that the two of us have couldn't be better and i fucking am so happy with it and you know Like I said, as I was going through Instagram, I was like, right, we did that this year. (laughs) How fucked up is that, right? How crazy is it that our brains are so dopamine fucking bloated and then we're in the second, in the moment as we're searching for something to be excited about, like consistently searching for something to be excited about. And we just lose track of time and and it just all becomes like this sort of like... (laughs) It all becomes this discharge that comes out of the back end of our like, you know, and it's like out of the back end of it, we're just, there's this pile of experiences that we're like, when did we do this? Like sorting through it like Laura Dern with fucking rubber gloves up to our elbows. Oh, right. <laughs> we got engaged this year. Um, yeah. So that was a, a big, a big moment for me. Um, And then, you know, talking about the two loves of my life, um, the other really big moment for me was uh, finishing and completing um, my new film. So Come Home and and finishing that short film um, was a really important moment because that film, and I've talked about this on the show this year, that film represented um, the sort of recovery the uh, the clawing out of the uh, the dug grave that I had for myself in this business, which was depression and the result of, you know, three years, three plus years of just relentless Hollywood bullshit. And, you know, getting to a point where I was so low, I just forgot why I did this stuff, like why... Why am I doing this why am I continuously trying to convince people to give me money or to allow me to do my job or why am I trying why am I fighting with suits that uh, don't really understand true horror and why am I dealing with bullshit notes like all that stuff just just piled on and piled on and and the bipolar, nature of this business where one day they're like hey guess what we're doing it it's happening and then two hours later they're like it's not happening it just it beat me the fuck up and I think by the end of 2022 I was in a really dark place and if you guys listen to the show you'll hear my tone shift a lot <laughs> you know I, I, like I, I, I put on a happy face when I'm recording but you can hear it in my tone and you could hear it when I have conversations with people and stuff starts to get dark it's because no matter how hard I tried, and I'm very honest on this, on this podcast, but no matter how hard I tried, it was still coming out. It was seeping out of me, this anger and this, uh, just, just, uh, depression, really. And so thank God for, uh, my friend, um, and my, my buddy, uh, Lance Williams. Lance, um, and I have been uh, buddies for quite some time, and he's been a regular on this show, and you're going to hear a lot more from Lance as we push into the new year, but we'll talk about that soon. Um, but uh, Lance is an actor, and he's been an actor for years, and we've worked together for years on film sets, and, and uh, he, him and I really became obsessed with Judith Weston, and I talk about her all the time on the show, and I was reading her books, directing for act, um, acting for directors, or directing actors, I think. Man, you should know the name of the book, Dickhead. Um, but uh, yeah, him and I really got lost in sort of Judith Weston's teachings and her techniques. And um, Lance was like, dude, we should do something. And he saw how depressed I was. And he, he was going through his own thing at the time. And he's like, I think this will be cathartic for us. We should do a scene or shoot a scene. Um, and that was the beginning of Come Home. And the process of shooting Come Home was pretty difficult. It was a hard process, just sort of getting back into it, trying to find my inspiration, trying to find my love. And I I know specifically when we shot that movie, exactly when I found it again and when I found that spark and the thing that told me like, man, this is why I direct. I'm really fucking good at this because of what I'm feeling right now. And that happened, I would say, right at the beginning of 2023, right when I was at the back end of post-production and editing and doing music. Um, And that moment pulled me out of that hole. That moment really did. It was the culmination of all the support and the people around me and the amazing crew and all the team that helped me make that movie, but that pulled me out. And uh, the excitement that was editing Come home, and I know a lot of you can't wait to see it. And soon, you will be able to. It's just still in the festival circuit. I I have to let it ride out. I can't release it until it's done doing that. Um, But uh, yeah, like that film reminded me why, why I do this, why I have spent twenty something years obsessed and learning and and trying and begging and tr- and like trying to prove myself and meeting people and collaborating and designing and failing and redoing it again it's because of that it's because of those moments it's because of my love of bringing together a character an idea that did not exist before, and seeing it grow in front of me, seeing it blossom in front of me, seeing the pieces come together, and feeling that rush, that that hit. You want to talk about dopamine? Like the ultimate dopamine rush that comes from that moment. Um, and uh, I'm th- completely thankful to everybody that helped me make that that happen. And and then. The great thing about that movie is not only did Lance and I further form our bond, and he went on to do the performance, I would say, selfishly, I think the performance of his career so far. Um, But then I also got to collaborate with one of my other favorite people on the planet, um, someone that I've always looked up to. I really loved his music, um, and I was able to convince him to come on and score the film not only score the film, but I was able to convince him to let me use one of his iconic tracks as the needle drop in the film. And, uh, I'm talking about my buddy, Jonathan, Jonathan Bates. Uh, those of you who know him as big black Delta, like just to be in a situation where we're collaborating together and I'm sending him stuff and he's sending me ideas. And I learned a lot working with Jonathan and I learned a lot about, um, redefining how I find good ideas, right? Because Jonathan did a really good job of reminding me that no matter how hard I try and no matter how hard I try to mold something and shape something into an idea, um, it's not that. We live in a place where if we're opening ourselves up and we're receptive to the combinations that make great ideas and we know when to allow them in and we know when to choose them and we know when to push them away, you start to understand that not only as a director, but this is also a lesson for life and the people that you have in your life and the uh, allowing yourself to be open to the opportunities for life to get better. Um, And uh, I am completely thankful uh, to Jonathan for reminding me of that and putting a, shining a new light on that sort of idea and theory. Um, And The work we did together is just amazing. And not to mention the work I did together with my buddy Mike Tran, who did all the fucking hard work on that movie as far as like helping me uh, shoot it, helping me do the sound design, the mix. He crushed that movie. And then my buddy Ian Spencer, who not only played the creature, but also helped produce behind the scenes. And then all the dudes, Brett, Travis, Josh, like the whole run of folks that were there for me. Um, on that film and to get to a point I think we were in like February January February of 2023 where the movie was finished and I saw it and I went this is a fucking this is the best thing I've done um so huge huge moment for me this year it reminded me why I direct and it gave me the armor that I need to continue to do so to go back and fight with the fuckers it really did um And then, you know, fast forward into a few months ago, you know, the idea that uh, I had spent so long being bitter and upset and irritated with film festivals. And I allowed myself, I opened myself back up to submitting to film festivals and going through that process and relearning about film festivals and how they work. And, uh, you know, utilizing this show to interview people that program film festivals, that have been to film festivals, and just sort of figure out what the rules actually are, and is it bullshit, and is it all nepotism? Like, all of that became a big part of what this show was doing uh, for 2023, and ironically, um, we ended up getting into one of the bigger film festivals for the genre, and we got into FilmQuest on their 10-year anniversary, And uh, they accepted Come Home, which was exciting. And they asked uh, me to be the official podcast of the film festival as well. Um, And so I'm incredibly thankful for like the most epic film festival experience that I've ever had in my career. And such a special experience that most short film directors don't get to have when they go to film festivals because of our podcast, because of our fans, because of the people that listen to the show, the people that support the show, the people that continuously uh, show up and comment and write messages because I was able to go to my sponsors, specifically my buddies over at Puget Systems. And if you guys have been listening to the show, you know what a fan of Puget Systems I am and what a partnership that we've had for years. But they were able to finance uh, a podcast series at FilmQuest for 10 days, rent this massive house, meet over 60-something filmmakers and actors and actresses and writers and form new relationships and new friendships and really blow the lid off of this show as far as like being remote and being on location and going on adventures. And I hope you guys loved that series. And if you haven't heard the FilmQuest podcast series that I'm talking about, I'm talking to you guys live on Instagram right now. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and I put all the episodes up there. And you, if you've ever wanted to live vicariously through a filmmaker going to a film festival, if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to be at a film festival, if you've ever wanted to have the ultimate film festival experience, I can't seem to explain this in any other way than this does not fucking happen. It was the perfect uh, storm of podcast and... A uh, short film acceptance. Go listen to that series. It's so much fun, and you will, <laughs> you will feel it when you listen to that show. It was epic, man. The house was amazing. The parties were amazing. The uh, the filmmakers are phenomenal. Uh, Lance, my buddy Lance, was co-hosting me with me on that show. We interviewed Doug fucking Jones, man. Doug Jones was on. Um and uh it ended up being really the fucking high point uh for the podcast this year is that Film Quest series. So there are 10 episodes. If you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, I'm going to go there right now. If you go to that website, you will see it. It's on the home page. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the thumbnail for it. Yep, the official podcast of 2023 Film Quest Film Festival and it's crazy definitely listen to that. But you know what's great? You know what I love about our homepage is that it sort of gives me, I love our big images. It gives me sort of a a roadmap of what we did this year. And man, we talked to some fucking great people on the show. Have you guys liked the show this year? Leave me a message. Leave me some comments now. How many of you watching on uh, Instagram Live? How many of you actually, you know, watch the show and listen to the show? Um, Man, we talked to everything. We talked to a Navy SEAL <laughs> about what it's like being a SEAL. We talked with Gator, who is the craft service uh, guru on all of the Yellowstone shows. Uh, Gator and I actually have to hang out. We talked with Oren again, and we talked about the creator. We talked with Alex, who is the uh, one of the cinematographers on the VHS movie series. I talked to rock stars, Frederick saroa um, from Data Rock. Man, fuck, it's been a great year. Andy Chen was on the show. Uh, cinematographer Shane Hurlbert was on the show. Um, how, many, how many of you have been listening to uh, the Love Sandwich series? So yes, I broke away and started. I've been testing and playing with this theory of doing multiple shows that hit multiple themes, right? Because In Love with the Process kind of is the mothership that talks about all of it. And Love with the Process really is uh, a backdoor into my brain, and I'm, we're talking about movies, we're talking about food, we're talking about music, you know, we're talking about anything that that I'm fucking curious about. And then there's a piece of me that's like, man, each one of those stems could be something really great because I'm completely fascinated with each one of them. And one of our first stems that we've created off this show is our mini series Love Sandwich, which I've been promoting the shit out of lately. Which is, if you guys haven't heard it yet. It's basically a very small show where I talk to guests and I ask them about their favorite sandwich because I firmly believe that the perfect food is a sandwich. I've believed this for a long time. It's completely customizable. There are no real fucking rules, right? There are no fucking rules to it. And oftentimes, if you're clever and you're creative, that sandwich can contain Memories can contain emotions, can contain leftovers, can contain talent and skill. It's the, it's the perfect food. And why do I call the show Love Sandwich? Because I feel like it is the ultimate form of love. I think a lot of people are scared to cook for people. I think a lot of people uh, are frightened by the kitchen. And uh, what I continuously say all the time is, is that cooking a meal for somebody, making them something to eat, is the ultimate form of love. It is the, ulti- it's the best way to disarm a stranger, right? It's the best way to connect with people that you're gonna work with. Um, and a sandwich, it doesn't need to be special. It doesn't need to be something that like took you all fucking day. It doesn't need to contain, you know, hundreds of dollars. It can be the simplest thing. Uh, if you guys saw my posts on Instagram I've been posting the simplest sandwich which is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you do that right, everybody loves a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and if you do it right and you take the time and you spread that peanut butter to every corner of the bread you spread that jelly to every fucking uh, piece and then you're just cutting that the right way and you just deliver that on a plate you're gonna get smiles man you're gonna get a look of admiration. I'm telling you so love sandwich we talk about that stuff we go deep into our guests favorite sandwich the sandwich that changed their life the sandwich that they can't live without and uh we do sandwich reenactments <laughs> so um definitely check that out too if you guys haven't heard it yet it's on here it will be coming out every once in a while on on the stream and as i talk about this podcast We are blowing this up a bit bigger as we push into 2024. Uh, ILWP is going to become the network that puts out these shows, and you're going to hear some different personalities, different folks that come and go. Uh, I'm very excited because my co-host for our new show and I just recorded our first episode yesterday. We're putting about five in the queue before we start to release these. Uh, But yes, Lance and I... Are teaming up and doing a show together so there is a no sh- there is a new show that's coming in 2024 and it's a fascinating one uh, we talk about lightning in a bottle we talk about being at the right place at the right time does it actually exist does it actually happen um, and can if it is a thing can you make it happen more frequently can you be aware when it is going to happen So, yes, we have a new show. It is called Right Place, Right Time. We just recorded the first episode two days ago. And like I said, we're going to put about five in the bank, and then we're going to start rolling these out. And I think what's going to happen is, In Love With The Process is still going to drop on Tuesdays every week, and then Right Place, Right Time is going to drop on Thursdays. Okay, so be excited about it because... Our first episode, which is just me and Lance talking, is fucking great. And it's different than this show. It's different than In Love With The Process. It still has the same sort of passion. It still has the same sort of conversational vibe that you guys are used to. Um, But there's a bit more of a formula sort of enabling us to, to get to the fucking root of Right Place, Right Time. And does it fucking exist? And I'll tell you lance comes at it from a very positive perspective because he's very positive about this thing and i come at it sort of at like a hmm is it actually the right place right time or are you just like is your is it because your uncle's a movie producer you know what i'm saying so uh it's a great combo it's like ernie and Bert. <laughs> so uh, get ready get ready the show will be dropping soon i think we'll probably be dropping it out but before the end of uh, january we just like i said uh, we're going to be really busy uh, next week, because we I, I, we have to at least get five episodes in the can. So anyway, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Scrolling through the homepage at process.com, that's what I'm looking at right now. We're sort of revisiting the big events that happened on the podcast, because as I talked about the two big pillars for me this year, which was come home and in and, uh, and being engaged at this point... Um, the podcast is third. And the podcast really has been my savior. It has been my savior um, emotionally. It has been my savior creatively as I've been stuck in this rut that everybody else was stuck in for so long. And it's been socially such a great experiment because I get to find inspiration and, uh, you know, just fucking love from strangers and people that do the same thing I do. Um, And we got to hang out with some great folks. Uh, Heath Cullins was on the show. Episode 263, he is one of the directors of my favorite comedy show on television, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We talk about Always Sunny. We talk about how he got that gig. Talk about Right Place, Right Time. That guy. He was in the right place, right time to become a director of that show. Uh, Let's see. Who else did we talk to? We talked to uh, Zee Chun, the producer and the director of the Uh, Gremlin's animated show. Uh, That's episode 261, and uh, he talks about meeting Spielberg, which is a great fucking interview. Uh, As we went through the writer's strike, uh, we got to talk to Elliot Glazer, uh, and we talked about what was going on with the writer's strike and what those big issues are. Uh, I met a new buddy of mine, Brandon Cox, who is a cinematographer, amazing guy. I got to sit down with legendary actor Clint Howard, Clint Howard was on the show. That's episode 258. Definitely go check that one out. Um, really great. Oh, man, the guy who shot the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, Logan, 253. Great episode. Oh, and I got to sit down with my buddy, really great guy, Joe Carnahan. 266, 226, rather. Episode 226 is... <laughs> a great episode of this show anytime someone that is like i kind of want to be on your show is there a good episode for me to listen to to get the vibe i send them the joe carnahan episode every fucking time um if you guys haven't heard it yet go listen to episode 226 uh and if you are just feeling nostalgic today and you want to go back and listen to great episodes go listen to 226 i love this episode i mean i've been a fan of joe carnahan for years truth be told, it took us a long time to try to get him on the show. Uh, and when he finally got on the show, we became fucking buds. And after that, I got to hang out with him. Like, I still talk to Joe all the time. I'm completely excited about his new movies that he's putting together. Um, and uh, I've been getting a lot of advice from him as a director. And it's been great. That is like the epitome of why I do this show, is just to find really solid uh, mentors and folks in this business Um, and, uh, if you want to be inspired, if you want to laugh, (laughs) uh, listen to episode 226. Um, the, the podcast has been such an adventure and such a wild ride for this year. And while we're talking about that, I need to take a moment and just thank every one of our sponsors that make this show possible. And this isn't an ad read. This is a love session, right? So, Like I said before, Puget Systems, if you guys want to build a computer, if you want to build an edit machine, if you want to build yourself, um, you know, uh, an AI machine uh, and it's time, your other machine's giving you the pinwheel of death, right? Um, Build yourself a PC. Go to pugetsystems.com, check them out. Now, here's what I want to say. There's a lot of you out there that are like, look, I haven't been working hard (laughs) because it's the strike. I don't have a lot of cash in my bank account. I don't have a lot of money. Um, I'd love to get a Puget system, but I just can't afford a Puget system right now. Well, here's the thing. The cheat code is this, especially if you don't live in the country, if you're in Europe, but you still want a Puget system and these guys can't ship to Europe, they do consultations. So for a small fee, like a small fucking fee, uh, they will walk you through how to buy the components, how to put the components together to build yourself, your own Puget system. So it'll save you some bucks, but at the same token, you'll be able to put something together that they put together so go to pugetsystems.com if you're in the market right now for a new computer any kind of computer a gaming computer and my buddy mike just got me the the new cyberpunk update of that video game i don't want to play it yet (laughs) i don't want to play it yet the timing's not right i like i'm in the middle of doing things if i put that on my system I'm going to get lost. And man, it runs so beautifully on my Puget System. And apparently they fix all the bugs in that video game. Oh, have you guys played the new Cyberpunk update? Is it good? Let me know. Um, but anyway, go to pugetsystems.com. Check them out. Now, another exciting watermark on our podcast for 2023 has been the Fujifilm Creator Series. Have you guys checked it out? Have you guys been tuning in? We have met so many great directors and filmmakers. And what's really fun about that show is it kind of became a love letter between directors and cinematographers. So on a lot of those episodes, I will have both the director and cinematographer on the show. And we talk about their relationship, how they form the relationship, how they work together, how they find inspirations. It really has become a great episode for that. And I get that question all the time. Like, how do you find a cinematographer that you want to work with? Like, how do you collaborate with a cinematographer? What are they doing? Are they the ones that are making all the shots? Am I able to make the shots? And then the cinematographer's like, should every director be giving me storyboards? Like, I get these questions all the time. And I'm telling you, go listen to the Fujifilm Creator Series of our show. um, And you'll find that at InLoveWithTheProcess.com. But if you go and check that out, you will... Uh, really have your eyes open. Now, what is so special about the Creator Series is that these are films and filmmakers that Fujifilm have financed their shorts. Crazy, right? Like they've actually gone through the process of hunting down really great upcoming filmmakers and saying, what do you want to shoot? What do you want to make? And financing it. Not just giving them gear, but financing projects, which is unheard of, unheard of. And so that was one of the main reasons when I had Victor, Victor Ha, who who's on the show as well earlier in the year or late last year, when him and I met and we started to talk about the podcast, we talked about filmmaking, he talked about his passion and his love for filmmakers and how he wanted to help them make things happen. And I said to him like, dude, the big problem that a lot of us young filmmakers have is that we sort of hit a plateau, right? So many of us are doing other things we're doing part-time jobs maybe we're podcasting maybe we're fucking you know flipping burgers we all have sort of a financial ceiling when it comes to uh, our films and our techniques and yes maybe we can run a Kickstarter and yes that becomes its own fucking job and maybe we're trying to raise $10,000 $15,000 to make a short film it's amazing that they them as a company are enabling them to get to the next level by helping them finance their pieces and making them a bit bigger, right? Giving them more resources, giving them more of an opportunity to try elevated things. Like one of the hard parts about being a young filmmaker is that it's all in theory. What's it going to be like directing a crew of 30? I don't know, you know? Like how, how, do, I, how do I account for the amount of time it's going to take for that techno crane to work? I don't know, you know? You just don't know because it costs money. Cost more money than you often have and so having a company like fujifilm that shows up and says hey guess what we're going to help you make your movie go with it follow your love follow your inspiration write this thing we'll help put it together and then in exchange they're really smart in exchange for it they shoot behind the scenes they get to be on set they get to try out all their new equipment like the gfx 102 which so many of these films shot with. They get to see it in the field. They get to see what parts of it aren't working, what parts are working, which, you know, witness it being run through the mud, literally on these projects. So it's kind of fucking genius. So they're making out on it and you're making out on it. And they're doing it in a very legitimate, very uh, open way. Can't say enough great things about Fujifilm. Check out Fujifilm. The links are in the description of all my episodes or they're at inlovewiththeprocess.com. Support them this year. And if you see any of my posts with Fujifilm on it, just thank them for supporting the show. Say, hey, thank you for being here and making this happen. Um, And go check out the Fujifilm Creator Series. Uh, Also supporting the show and soon to be supporting the show in a much bigger way, in 2024 our friends over at Boca Rentals. Now, if you're in Los Angeles and you're looking for that rental company to find the lenses that are used to shoot all your favorite shows, um, I'm telling you right now, Boca Rentals is the place to go. There are so many of you young filmmakers that are afraid to form relationships with rental companies, right? How does the insurance work? Do I have to be at a certain level? It's going to be super expensive. You don't know what you're talking about. Go hang out, even before you have a project, go hang out with your local rental house. And I know a lot of you aren't out here in Los Angeles, but I know Boca Ships, right? Go hang out with someone like Boca Rentals. Be there. They do training seminars. They have open houses and they love to meet young filmmakers and cinematographers. They love it. So if you go chill with them, form a relationship, next thing you know, when you're doing a short film, you might be able to get some stuff cheaper than what you thought you were going to be able to get that stuff. But more importantly, you'll have the entire support of their team behind you, which is great. Boca Rentals and they're opening up new facilities. They have their new facility in Vegas, which is massive, and now they have a new facility that's going to be open out here on e- in East LA, which we'll talk about in 2024, which is going to be great cuz it's closer to me, which is awesome. So, um Boca Rentals can't say enough great things about those guys. And I also want to just do a shout out generally to each and every uh, one of our sponsors that have been with us at different times, coming and going Uh, with us again, our friends over at Black Magic. They're going to be a big part of 2024. We're very excited about the stuff that we're doing with them. We have some cool ass fucking projects that are already set up for 2024. Gene and I are collaborating on a big project together. Uh, We just got I can't talk about it, but we just got hired to do a big project in uh, January, which you guys are going to hear about when that's done. And you're going to see some cool shit coming out of that one. Um, So we're already prepping for big stuff in 2024. And uh, Blackmagic and Fujifilm are a big part of it. So excited about that. Very excited about that. Um, And as we push into the new year with all these new shows expect to hear from new sponsors expect to have new contests and new giveaways and also it's a great stuff coming from the podcast as we go into the new year man I'm off the cuff today and I'm doing all right I'm doing all right um also I just want to I, I just want to give a huge huge shout out to everybody that spent over a year, they waited over a year for me to respond to their DM to see 12 KM. And the folks that respond to my response with like, oh my God, I can't believe it took a year and this is amazing. And I can't believe that I'm a part of this. I I I am humbled and I am surprised and it it really sort of warms my heart, how many of you love 12KM, how many of you wanted to see 12KM, how many of you have been pushing and relentless about seeing 12KM and sending me your three favorite horror movies and sending me those DMs. And I have tried my damnedest to respond to as many as I can. I'm telling you right now, I have an issue with this finger <laughs> on my left hand, my index finger is sore and swollen consistently because I am on the phone that much responding (laughs) to DMs. I I try to do it every day. And usually first thing in the morning, I will send out about 100 responses to try to get through everybody. Um, And what that's done is that has sort of shifted me socially on the phone. So now I have friends and folks that text me and I don't even get to their texts because I'm so fucking tired of writing DMs and texts that I'm like, just call me, just call me. Someone was like, you haven't answered my text. It's been like two weeks. I'm like, you're low on the priority list, bro. I've got a hundred people that I have to respond to every morning. And by the time I get through with it, I'm like, I don't want to fucking text anymore. My finger's sore, I got an ice packet. Um, but uh, all small complaints. There's nothing better, and I feel incredibly fortunate to be a filmmaker that made a short film, made a proof-of-concept film, in a different language, right? And, uh, you know, starring a bunch of dudes, uh, and uh, had to have men and women, boys and girls all over the fucking planet want to see it. Um, And uh, not a day goes by that I don't realize how fortunate I am to have that situation um, that's why I love to post all reviews, positive and negative, negative. Um, and uh, I, I try to read as many comments as I possibly can because I absolutely respect and love uh, each and every one of you for doing it, and the reason why I did it in the first place was that I wanted it to be, I wanted to be more connected to you. I wanted to be more connected to the numbers behind each and every click that happens on a movie like that. And uh, I've always been a huge fan, whether it's through bar safaris or just going out and hanging out with friends. I I love speakeasies. I love adventures. I love, uh, you know, curated lists. I love it when someone tells me about something cool and I feel special by knowing about it. And uh, that was the reason why I released 12 Cam the way I released 12 Cam. And I'm going to continue to do so with other things because... I think there's something very special and something very exclusive uh, about that. And it sort of elevates the work into being more than just some bullshit that you swipe through on your fucking phone. You know what I mean? How many of you have been enjoyed? How many of you have seen 12 cam? Those of you who are on Instagram live right now, how many of you have seen 12 cam? Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Was the experience fun? Did it piss you off? that you had to go through that process. Was it painful? (laughs) You had to tell me your three favorite horror movies. Did it ruin your fucking life? (laughs) I love it. And I love the negative reviews on it. Oh, man. Man, speaking of which, it's been a while. Hold on, we're going to do it. Kilometers. IMDb. That's where a lot of the reviews have been left, is on IMDb. But actually, mm-mm-mm-mm. Letterboxed. hold on a second, Letterboxd. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I actually teamed up with Letterboxd and did an article with them this year. Actually, it was really great. I enjoy the people from Letterboxd. I'm a big fan of them. I like how they like uh, movies. I like the, 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 the nerdiness that they have with films. But <laughs> I will say this, the difference between the, the members of Letterboxd and the members of IMDb are very broad. There is a fucking ocean between these folks and the sort of... <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because Letterboxd is kind of a review site that it opens it up to real review trolls and <laughs> real, real fucking assholes about stuff, but I absolutely love it. Okay, so here, here we go. If you guys wanna follow along, go to letterboxd.com and look up my film, 12 Kilometers, and let's look at some of the stellar reviews <laughs> that are on here. Okay. First review. This is what first pops up. This, and it's got 64 likes, which is so good. Uh, this is, <clears throat> by the way, this is a review by Max. And he gave me a half star. Thank you, Max. This is the most uninteresting and unintentionally stupid movie of all time. Whew. I'm, like, right in there with some of the greats. Horribly made and terribly directed. You're gatekeeping your steaming pile of shit for this question mark? Seriously, get real Petchy, is what he says. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that, Max. You know, I appreciate the fact that uh, you took the time and you watched the fucking movie. And you know what I like? Is I like that I pissed you off. Makes me happy. It does. And I like that you spent the time to write this fucking solid review. Hmm. It's hard for me not to do this. Whenever I read a negative review, I go, okay, great. Let me go check out the other movies that Max likes. (laughs) Okay, so he gave uh, Maestro two stars. Uh, Let's see how he talks to other directors here. First off, let me just say that I don't think I've ever been this excited for a movie before. Uh... This composer is one of my favorite all-time heroes. Uh, Jesus Christ, this guy wrote a fucking essay. (laughs) Uh, Let me just get to the meat of it. I was brutally disappointed by this movie. I am so, 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 so sad. It had some incredible, incredible scenes with some great performances, amazing heartfelt renderings of Lenny and Felicia, but Cooper's directing and writing really botched all of it. This guy loves this shit it feels like random scenes pasted together i wanted to love this movie so bad but the fact that the matter the fact of the matter is that it really fails to do what it sets out for i'm really glad that they made a movie about bernstein but it's heartbreaking to see his story get getting hollywoodized now i am miserably broken Did I set my expectations too high? Why would you even ask that question if if you didn't know the answer? Probably yes, he says, there you go but I I really don't know what to say about this. I'm so heartbroken, it's so, so, so sad to me. Watching this was like watching the demolition of your childhood home in real time. I, dude, your life is gonna suck when your parents die. When you actually have something terrible happen to you, when it's, there's some sort of real life thing that really fucked you up, like maybe your best friend gets cancer, and I don't mean to be an asshole about it, but something terrible, or maybe uh, you, know, you didn't do your taxes and they reclaim your fucking home, like something awful happens to you. you're It's going to fucking level you, man. And you know what's so great about it? When you go through that experience, because we all do, we all will. When you go through that experience, you'll be able to look back fondly on how great that movie and experience was and maybe how much it really didn't fucking matter. <laughs> fucking asshole. I'm talking about me. Um, let's see here. Let's see if I can find another great one let's see here would have let the evil goo get me after wasting so much time and energy on this one star i love you guys all right hold on a second more i'm just trying to navigate to this website uh lots of good four star reviews we're we're not touching those right now thank you everybody for giving me the nice reviews but you know i hate to say it the uh the negative reviews are making me laugh today Ah, here we go. One and a half stars. Like a stale spoonful of my favorite cereal. That's what I was setting out to do, was make a real good bowl of cereal. I'm sorry that it was stale. A solid sound design, there you go, and interesting effects, but I really don't like the orange and blue color correction. Hmm. Combine that with the lens flares, hmm, and the general lack of depth, And 12 Cam is a bit of a nothing burger that left me with a bored taste of my mouth. The last six minutes kind of picked up and were easily the best looking moments of the film. But then again, those two felt like they were just missing something. 12 Cam is trying hard to be mysterious and cool, and it ends up being void of artistic or human essence. You know, that's what we forgot. What happened was, is I sent the PA out to grab me some fucking essence, and he got into a car accident. And so then he had to be then transported to the hospital. So I sent out a second PA to go pick up that vial of human essence at the hospital. But his GPS wasn't working, and he wasn't from Boston. So he couldn't figure out how to get to the fucking hospital. And by that point, we were already behind on time. So I said, fuck the essence. Let's just keep shooting. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like something an AI would make. Ooh, yeah, it is. And when, when you add that to the viral marketing slash gatekeeping style of distribution, the film really loses any credibility. It might have maintained cinematographically. Okay, dude. First off, anybody that starts a review with, I really didn't like the orange and blue color correction, right off the bat, I just don't feel like you have the ability to get lost in the film anyways. Why the fuck are you commenting on the color correction? One would assume that you probably work in the business, right? These are those kind of comments where you read them and you go, this guy works in the business and he's just upset in the business. And I'm looking at uh, all his other reviews that are key reviews. Oh. Half star for Oppenheimer, okay, bud. <laughs> anyway, hold on a second here. I'm checking in with the folks over here on Instagram Live. Greetings from Turkey, big year for Turkey, apparently. Like, we went viral in Turkey. There's been a lot of folks that have been asking me, Am I Turkish? Do I speak Turkish? Why are you so many of your fans Turkish? It's because 12km went viral in Turkey, and uh, I don't know how it happened, but we ended up becoming. Uh, a pretty big thing there which is amazing and it's great to meet so many people from Turkey and it was terrible the earthquake and everything else that was going on there was awful but uh, uh, I've got a lot of new friends from there I've got a lot of new friends from Germany from Spain from all over the place Uh, one of the crazy benefits of this podcast is that this mouth that you hear ranting and raving on a microphone gets to reach a lot of fucking folks and I meet people all over the place in different countries and different spots uh and uh you know we all have the same love of movies we all have the same love of food and we're all looking for something great and apparently we all uh have the same obsession with color correction <laughs> you <fucking> dude uh, <laughs> uh but uh yeah man uh big shout out to you guys over in turkey who else is on here there's been a lot of people in and out of the, out of the live today sir I have a script for a movie I wrote myself, at school recess. Can I send it to you? Did you write it on the back of your science book, um, dude? Uh, no. And here's why I say no. Not that I don't think you've got a great script, but I just don't take unsolicited material. Why? Because legally, you're not—you can't do it, right? Let's say, for instance, I'm working on a movie currently that has this thing in it, right? Maybe I'm working on a movie about haunted shovels, right? And you send me a script that has a guy that's haunted, but he's holding a shovel. And I go, ah, cool script, that's great. And then that's it, we we don't talk again. And then my movie comes out with haunted shovels and you go, well, I sent him my fucking short, my, my scribbles on the back of a science book and then he stole them from me when he made his haunted shovel movie. That's why a lot of people that work in this business can't take unsolicited material. If you're someone that is serious, And you have a script that you want me to read and that you think uh, is worth reading. And when I say is worth reading, that means like, have you showed it to your friends, right? Have you showed it to other professionals? Have you got to the point where you've done all the the changes that you need to do? And then you're going to send it to a director. If that's where you're at, send it through my management and my agents. And you'll find all their contact information at mikepetchy.com in the contact section. If you're finally at the point where you want to send a script to a director, that's what you do. And we've had a lot of screenwriters on the podcast. If you guys have been listening to the show and they all say the same thing, before you approach a director with an idea, make sure that you've shown it to at least five of your friends, make sure you've made them sit through your first few drafts that obviously aren't ready to go, right? And this is, I I have to do the same thing before I send scripts to people. And make sure you vet it. And then if it's a real deal thing that you're trying to get to a real director, understand that directors don't take unsolicited material and if you are getting a director that's like yeah randomly send it and you're not friends with them and it's some random guy that you find on the internet that's probably not legitimate right and they probably aren't going to make it fucking happen anyways like if you want to make a movie fucking happen send it through their management and their agents now not everybody puts their information on the website like i do But you can find that stuff if you sign up for IMDB Pro, and they're not a sponsor of the show, but if you sign up for IMDB Pro, IMDB Pro, um, you will find the contact information for their management and for their agents. And oftentimes, it just depends on how big they are. You probably have better chances getting through their management than you will UTA or an agency. And also, here's the negative of doing that. Managers and agents make 10% a piece. Right, So they make 10% on each project. So uh, they're going to want to make the most percentage possible. So if you're sending in a script that's some low-budget thing that really doesn't show promise and it isn't some sort of lottery ticket or lightning in a bottle, they may not even show it to the director. Think about that too. So it's a shitty place to be. Uh, If you're a screenplay writer and you want to get the attention of management and agents, definitely submit your screenplays to festivals, or to screenplay competitions, or to websites like The Blacklist, and get yourself higher up in there. So they are definitely paying attention to that sort of thing. And then, if you have a good screenplay that has accolades, was accepted to a festival, maybe won something for a festival, maybe won something in a screen competition, when you send that out, make sure you mention that stuff, because they are constantly looking for folks, right? So hope that helps. Try not to be uh too callous about it but the, the truth of the matter is like just sort of sending me something unless we're fucking friends if you're just sending me something on the internet i'm, I'm not going to read it because it's too dangerous to read a random thing does it make sense to you on instagram let's see what else is going on here hello 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 hi fans hello friends i'm just scrolling through here looking for uh let's see I love it when actors are like (laughs) we're all making fun of the color correction guy I love it when actors are like hey man are you casting Uh, not right now (laughs) Uh, but you know I I will say this the next film I do if I'm looking for uh, roles I'll put an open casting call out All right, so I'll talk about it on the show and I'll talk about it on instagram so i'll give you guys an opportunity to send in tapes you never fucking know you never know who you're gonna meet. really right um so yeah where are we at right now what do we have for time oh about an hour we're doing all right um i had so much fun reading the negative reviews but i'm not gonna do it there's not there's not the whole episode uh thank you so much to everybody who has wanted to see 12 cam has made it this viral sensation it's been crazy man it's been crazy it's been nuts um i just talked to my manager the other day randomly met him in a, in a place and he was just like dude I, I was getting calls like who like what were you doing on instagram <laughs> i was like what are you doing but but also yeah 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 it's been crazy so oh someone says read a positive review okay all right you guys want me to read a positive review uh, let me see. Let me look for something random here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here's a, here's a four star. We'll see what this. I haven't read this yet. Four stars from Carter. Uh, Mike Petchy was kind enough to send me the link to his short film. Uh, he has been shopping around in hopes of turning into a feature. Ooh, thanks, buddy. This was a very ambitious short that was filmed to look professional, and it does. Thank you. The cinematography is inspired. And the period accurate sets and costumes are lit in vivid color. Apparently, this guy likes the color. Uh, the story was a little recycled, but it has definite potential for the big screen. All right, dude, I'll take that. The director is on a similar wavelength as Panos Cosmatos. Woohoo, thanks, dude. Uh, in terms of style, I hope he can achieve his goal. If you're interested in seeing this, just DM him. Well, not only did he leave me a nice review in four stars, but he's also doing an advertisement for the whole thing. That's a fucking solid, solid review. All right, someone's like, all right, read another. Okay, I'll read one more positive for you guys. Let's see here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You know what? I'm going to go to IMDb. I want to show some love to the folks at IMDb. Hold on, 12 kilometers. IMDb reviews, baby. I love this one. This is the first one that shows up right here. What if Tarkovsky and Carpenter made a movie? Nine out of 10. Love this. Mike Petchy's 12 cam is an atmospheric spook fest that harkens back to the days of showing less and telling more. I like that. Uh, And man, is it spooky. I don't know what it is down there at 12 kilometers in that hole, but it scared the hell out of me. The story and the acting are amazing, and the cinematography is beautiful. Kruda gets all the credit. Cinematography is beautiful, reminiscent of The Thing and Stalker. This short film is a must-see, and I'm hoping Hollywood takes notice. Uh, thank you, dude. Thank you so much. Yes, Tarkovsky is a huge compliment. I'm, um, all right, I'm going to further engage with you guys. I'll give a little bit more time here uh, with you guys on Instagram Live. Uh, yes, showing less and telling more is awesome. Uh, thank you man. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, you guys love from Norway. Hey man, love back from Los Angeles. all right, so oh as I scroll through as I scroll through, as I, scroll through uh, I there's a great three out of 10 review here. Oof, this is a good one. Uh, very uh, calmly titled as no point. Definitely creepy. But had no plot, and make you and made you have no attachment to any characters. I'm reading it the way it's written. Also, explain nothing that was going on, and apparently this has a requirement of number of characters. So here is a bunch of autofill. That's all this guy wants to write. Getting the word of a person that I know is a character that I know of. And that is the reason I don't, don't like the term that I'm a person. Okay, dude. Okay. I see what you're doing. Uh, No point. Great. Um, Here's another really, here's another really, really good negative one. I love these. I love these. Strong two. Two out of 10. We'll get into this. I feel like all the gatekeeping Mike Petchy is doing for this short film gave it so much more hype than it was worth unclear meanings, felt very vague and short, like there was a backstory we were supposed to already know before watching. Well produced, but that's about it. It felt a lot like Cabinets of Curiosity by Guillermo del Toro, which is a solid five out of (laughs) ten. That's great. I'm two out of ten, and Guillermo's show is five out of ten. I'm doing great. The buildup was decent, I was excited for a plot twist or a big reveal, and it feels like I got nothing in the end. The film is too short to get to know any of the characters, so, I, so you don't feel much attachment to them. The movie ends, and you're just like, welp, I guess that was it. Also, the high-pitched sounds during the movie really hurt my ears, made it hard for me to focus. Two out of ten. <laughs> okay, good. I accomplished one thing. Yes, the high-pitched sounds are supposed to hurt your ears. They're supposed to make it hard for you to focus because that's what's happening to the characters. Mission accomplished. Okay, great. Cabinets of Curiosity by Guillermo del Toro, in my opinion, is a solid 8 out of 10. And there are so many great um, shorts in that series. And for the love of God, if my short film was a part of Cabinets of Curiosity, I'd be smiling big. I'd be very happy about it right now two things one this feels like a short film feels like something more I'm not answering all the questions that's because this movie is a proof of concept it was never built for you this movie was built for studio execs this was a movie that got them interested and excited about wanting to make the feature film so if it's if you feel like when you watch the movie you're not getting all the answers that's important that's intentional if you feel like when you're watching this movie it leaves you wanting more that's good that's my job. That's what I did. It's built to get the fucking people that have a firm grip on their wallets to open their wallets to enable me to tell all of that story. That's why this movie was built. So when I released it to the public this way, gatekeeping style, it wasn't because I felt like I'm more important than you and I like, I like I get a fucking boner for making sure that I Oh, can you get into the club? Oh, you're not cool. And that's not why I fucking did it, man. I did it this way because it was never supposed to be released to the public to begin with. Right? And I had so many podcast listeners that were asking me, Mike, how can we see 12 Cam? You talk about it on the show. You're not going to release it to the public. How can we see this movie? It sounds really great. And I went, if you want to see the movie, then send me three favorite horror movies. Right? Kind of me being a dick. I'll take credit for that. But also me going... I want to know who is looking at this movie. And when you engage with me, most of the time, I write back and go, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? What's going on? What's happening? Right? I like that shit. So instead of seeing me as a gatekeeper, look at me more as you showing up to a screening and the director standing in the doorway and the director says to you, hey, thanks for being here. What are your three favorite horror movies? Let's talk about this. And on the way out, you're going to talk to me. That was the vibe. So two out of 10, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it, man. Um, But this has been this year for me. I know I've spent a lot of time talking about the reviews for this, but this has been a big portion of this year. I mean, in November, it was a year viral, and it still continues to be uh, a thing that people are writing to me about. I mean, it's slowed down a lot at this point, thank God. Uh, There hit a point where I was getting so many DMs that I would answer 25 messages, and in the time it took me to answer one of those messages, I'd have 25 new messages. You know what I'm saying? At one point, it was just the I couldn't keep the I couldn't keep the water out. It just kept coming in. It kept coming in. But now we've got to a point now where I probably get in a day maybe 50, which is okay. I could still kind of handle that, which is great. Um, it's crazy. I love it. I'm excited. Thank you, everybody for uh, loving it uh hold on a second here hey mike i'm a big fan please say hi well hi back man how are you um thank you everybody on instagram live for tuning in today this is the first time i've done a podcast live uh and i hope you guys are really enjoying it greece is an ideal location and a beautiful location to film literally anything yes i live in greece i would love to go to greece uh you caught me mike but you've got to notice me guilty. Okay, so you want me to go to Greece? I just, she's like, I'm going to repeat this till I hear it. I, I heard it. I just read it. Fuck yeah, man. I've always wanted to go to Greece. Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you too. All right. Well, let me get to the end of this episode because we're pushing about an hour here and I want to drop this before the ball drops. Um, so... To wrap this this all up, let's talk about these pillars, right? So it's been a great year for me with all these different moments. Now, these are just the larger flagpoles in uh, a pretty textured year. And I've talked about this on multiple shows and other shows that I'm a guest on because people always ask me about my head injury when I got the head injury and the near-death experience slipped on the ice, cracked my skull, you guys have heard the story. But when I had the head injury and I was laying in my deathbed and I was just sort of looking back on my life, the first things that I was looking at were all these pillars because that they were what were so important to me, right? The peaks of my life, like when am I gonna get this movie done? And that's when I did this and that's when I did this music video and that's when I met this girl. And those were like the most important parts. And, and I was able to sort of process them at a lightning speed where I went, okay, but also what the fuck else happened? What happened in between? What was going on in between those moments? And I had to dig a little bit deeper. And I realized I really wasn't paying attention to the in-between moments because I was so obsessed with the pillars. I was trying to build up for those pillars that I was just sort of like high-speeding my way through the day-to-day. And I was wasting it. I was wasting it. And so ever since that head injury and ever since that situation, I have been hyper fucking aware of what is happening in the moment and respecting the moment and loving the moment and loving the situations that I find myself in and loving all these different spots. And so whether it's like sitting on the beach with my buddy Lance, uh, if it's like doing a drive and listening to music and singing songs with Gina, or if it's uh, standing in line uh, and waiting for some of the most amazing tacos here in the city, or if it's having folks come and visit and sort of introducing them to Los Angeles, or if it's meeting a stranger in a bar at an airport, having a conversation, Um, each and every one of these moments are are pivotal in the development of me as a person and me as a character. And I hope that by talking about these things, uh, it gets you thinking about your year. What did you do this year? What were your pillars this year? Right? And then What were those little moments that surprised you? Those little moments that show up that you weren't even planning on and they end up becoming really great little pivotal moments for your life. This is something that we're going to talk about a lot on the Right Place, Right Time podcast. I I don't believe that there is only one moment that happens in each person's life that is the Right Place, Right Time moment. I don't believe that. I believe that these things happen all the time and I believe... And we'll talk about this more in the show, but I believe it's all about the mindset that you go out into the world with and whether or not you actually go out into the world that sets you up to have these really life-altering situations that surprisingly start as a whisper. They start very small. And I think that if you're open to it, you can find these moments. Um, And then if you can... I don't want to say exploit, because that sounds sinister. If you take advantage of these moments, if you take advantage of your mindset and being open to this stuff, then your life becomes really enriched. It's crazy, man. It's crazy how that changes everything. Um, So I can't wait for you guys to listen to that show. It's going to be great. Hopefully very inspiring and fun. And uh, hopefully I become less of a cynic by the time the show's done. Tune in maybe maybe hopefully lance wins (laughs) um okay as we sort of wrap out let me just take a look here let me look at my list make sure i haven't forgotten anything um oh yes it's up there so many of you have subscribed to it um and so many of you ask about it every year what we do at the end of the year is i put together a spotify playlist And most years, it's just like top synthwave tracks, top tracks that we love at the podcast. But this year, because of my recent conversation uh, with the guy who draws the t-shirts for Metallica, uh, him and I got real nerdy about metal and 90s metal, 80s metal, right? And we're talking like everything from the stuff you know, right? you've got like the Panteras, you've got the Metallica's, you've got the stuff that you really know, but we go deep into it, right? And so I've made a ILWP best of metal and synthwave playlist on uh Spotify. There it is, Mike, on Spotify. So if you're looking for some music tonight, if you guys like metal, if you're looking for some music tonight to play when you have your party or if you're going on a long ride Go check it out. And it's got everything on it, man. I've got like classics from the 80s, like Into the Fire from Dawkin. A lot of you, when you listen to this playlist, you got to understand that Into the Fire from Dawkin was a song that was made for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is pretty fucking rad. Um, I've got some awesome stuff with Killswitch Engage. You guys know that I was a director for the music videos for years. Uh, my, my, my favorite band, Typo Negative, is up there. Faith No More is up there. White Zombie's up there. Um, And then we go deep into our Synthwave stuff with Gunship and Power Glove um, and our friends over at Magic Sword. Um, So it is a pretty comprehensive playlist. And the mix of Synthwave and Metal is pretty solid, man. There's a big reason why a lot of us Metalheads, as we got older, got into Synthwave. It's kind of awesome. So if you want to check out this playlist, you'll find it in my Instagram bio, okay or you can go to www.process.com and scroll down on the homepage and you'll find the ILWP best of metal and synthwave playlist and you'll love it man and I'll tell you this there's some tracks on here that don't get enough love and I know about these tracks because when I was a kid I worked in a music store and I fell in love with these albums that really didn't get the love that they needed so if you go and you listen specifically to filth pig from ministry and that whole fucking album it's Amazing. I love that album and Dark Side of the Spoon for Ministry. They were their two albums that were less thrashy and more industrial. And at that point in time, when they were right around that time in the 90s, when they were talking about industrial, that the king of industrial being Trent Reznor, um, it was Ministry and Al Jergensen that was like right there. So if Trent was doing stuff that was kind of more mainstream. Ministry was doing stuff that was a bit more dangerous in sort of that industrial movement that was happening at that time period. Lots of great fucking stuff up there. Um, definitely go check it out. Uh, we've got a bunch of followers now, which is great. Um, so like I said, ILWP best of metal and synth wave playlist on Spotify. For those of you who like that sort of thing. Um, happy new year guys. I'm talking to the folks on Instagram live. Um, So finally, 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 I know I keep saying finally, but I keep forgetting to talk about some stuff. Also, I am having a sale on my t-shirts. So if you are looking for a 12KM t-shirt, if you're looking for a come home t-shirt, we actually have the come home festival t-shirt, which is awesome. It's like a band tee, which is really great. Um, T-shirts are 20 bucks. You'll find the link for them in my Instagram bio, or at inlovewiththeprocess.com in the merch section. So pick yourself up a t-shirt. A lot of these t-shirts are on pre-order. We'll be putting the orders through as we get into the new year, but sign up for them now. Get them now because they're not going to be on sale for long. So if you guys want a t-shirt from me, if you guys want a t-shirt for the podcast, if you guys want to celebrate the podcast, definitely do them there. All right? So get, like I said, link in my Instagram bio or go to inlovewiththeprocess.com buy them there don't do them there mike jesus christ um and uh yeah man i think that's it i think i'm winding myself down here i think i'm winding myself down here and as i buy myself some time i'm doing everything live today i'm gonna find what is a good outro song for today Hmm. 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 i got it all right all right i got one i got one for us Um, but before I go, uh, I hope you had a great year and I know it's not the perfect year and I know it's not like any other year, but I hope you had a good one. And I hope if you take that moment, you think about your pillars and you think about the things in between, what are those great moments that happen in between? Did you make a new friend this year? Did you meet someone new? Uh, did you pick up a new piece of equipment or gear? And then did that inspire you to make something awesome? Did you get an opportunity to go work on a friend's movie? Did you get an opportunity to go to someone's house and have them cook you a meal, right? What was a good part of this year? And I know there's so much negative stuff that happens all year, um, but I think that happens all the time. And there's a big piece of me that wonders if this year was any worse than most of the years. And is it just because uh, negativity is broadcast to us? Is it just because you guys all lit up when I was reading negative reviews? Is that is is that it? Right. I think that uh, 2023 was a very powerful year for me personally. And I think it was a powerful year for a lot of you listening. Um, so as we get ready, I'm going to get off this microphone and transform our place into a party zone. Uh, and as you get ready and as that ball starts to drop and as we uh, excitedly uh, anticipate what happens after, and what this new year is going to bring to us. And now that we can all do our jobs. And now that we can go to work. And now that we have all these ideas. And all these aspirations. And inspirations behind us. As we push into the new year. I think it's important that we, re- we reflect honestly. On what we went through in 2023. So that way we're more aware. As we step into the new year. And we're, we're more present. As we go through these moments. That texture the pillars that we're hunting for and we're looking for. All right, that's it. I think this is a good place to end. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. I'm going to leave you with a little Mitch Murder. And uh, I'm excited to have you come back starting next week. We get into it, 2024. Um, have a good night. Don't drink and drive. Remember, take an Uber. Take a Lyft. Uh, literally, is the cost of a beer, maybe two more beers. Come on, man, don't be an asshole.